So, wow, all kinds of good things happening. All right, so I want to talk about David, the man after God's own heart, one of my favorite subjects. And uh, I want to start with Acts chapter 13 and uh, verse 22. After removing Saul, he made David their king. That would be God. Made him literally the king of Israel. God testified concerning him. And this is the part I read. Like, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Well, immediately when you see that phrase, he will do everything I want him to do, well, he did a few things God didn't want him to do too, right? And it's right there that we have the rub. It's right there where many of us just uh, don't do well with the Lord and move on with him. Because we feel our calling. We feel that we have something that we offer God. We want to walk with God. But we keep seeing this uh, sin difficulty or failure difficulty or we become aware of our weakness or our failures, right? And so David fell, fell about as hard as you can fall, right? He will do everything I want him to do. Has God not seen that, that was, something else was going to happen, you know, that there was going to be some things he didn't do so well? Yes, which makes it very, very happy for me to talk today about David, the man after God's own heart. See, you can be a person after God's own heart and have some mess-ups and mistakes and things that need to be fixed. And God takes you and he sees you in this amazing light and he shapes you according to that light and moves you forward. And there are just a few things on our part that we need to do, but they're remarkably small. They mostly involve humility and being willing to make changes, you know, in which David did. So we'll see that as we go. Now, so there's another passage underneath this passage. It's 2 Chronicles chapter 16, 9. Now, this is an absolutely amazing passage. Listen to this. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Wow. So, let me read that again. So, anybody catch this now? For the eyes of the Lord range, he's literally going throughout the entire earth every tribe, tongue, and nation, city to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Oh, you mean spiritually? No, I mean in every way. And we'll see with David. He's a great example. He's the poster child for this, the man after God's own heart. Because David's heart was fully committed to him. And God strengthened him, even in his weakness. And weakness doesn't just mean failure in some area or another. Weakness means wherever I'm just not performing or, never, or something that's wrong, something that's horribly wrong. I'm not this. I'm not experiencing that. But look at this promise. The eyes of the Lord are looking throughout the whole earth just to help somebody whose heart's fully His. <clears throat> just fully committed. Commit your heart to, to God. Yes, you'll make mistakes. But David made his mistakes, but he kept on going. David made his mistakes and he fessed up, completely transparent. And David received the presence of the Lord. He's just an amazing example of someone who can be after God's heart and have a little bit of mistake along the way, right? Which is where we find ourselves. Because that, ex that whole passage right there, you mean the Lord's looking all throughout the whole earth to strengthen somebody, to help somebody like me? If my heart's fully committed, I just have to have my heart committed and if I mess up, I just go back quickly. And we'll see how David did that. So David was a man after God's heart. And here's number reason why he was. Number one reason. Because he loved everything about God's name, God's cause, and God's reputation on the earth. 
including the complete inheritance of the land that was promised to Israel. See, Israel went into the land, but they didn't conquer the land fully and completely, even down to David's time. It wasn't done yet. They didn't finish the task. And so David was completely committed to God and God working through uh, the people in that season and time, but especially God's reputation on the earth, his cause. God wanted them to inherit the land. God wanted blessing for them. He wanted them to rule. And he loved this idea. And he was committed to it. And then everything about God's cause. He loved the scriptures. He loved God's ways. He was a worshiper, as we're going to see. So along comes Goliath. And many of us are familiar with this story. And the interesting thing about Goliath was the taunting made him jealous over God's reputation. He was zealous to fight for God's honor, and God loved it, even though he was just a young guy. He was probably a teenager, and he didn't know anything about warfare, except that what he'd been fighting for with regard to his, his uh, sheep in the wilderness, fending off wild animals. Now, how that exactly translates into fighting a giant that's over nine feet tall, <laughs> only David's faith understands. But somehow... He connected because what was going on in that wilderness the whole time wasn't just that he got good at defending his animals, but he had this relationship with God and this faith that had built up in, on the inside of him, this fire, this dynamic connection that made him a warrior, but a worshiper at the same time. And here in front of Goliath, the thing connected, and he just happened to be there when Goliath is taunting the armies of God for battle one more time. And... Uh, so David gets brought before Saul because he says, you know, I'll take that guy out. Let no one lose heart, he says, on account of this Philistine, your servant will go and fight him. Wow. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Well, that's pretty good. Wow. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. I don't know about you, but I've been really getting excited about God's cause in the earth, especially these days. When so many things are happening that are so negative and so downright sinful and so downright awful, and not just in the spiritual realm, but to our culture, to our people, to our families, right? God's raising up people like this, men and women, to fight these Goliaths. Oh, yes, the multinational corporations, they are so huge and massive, blah, 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 blah. They're not that big. Did you hear what I said? They're not that big. Even the presidency is not that big. It's not that big. This is a season where God's raising up Goliaths. I mean, excuse me, he already raised those up. This is the season God's raising up Davids and Goliaths. And the Goliaths seem to be getting heavier and bigger. But I assure you, there are Davids sprinkled all throughout our culture that are arising in this hour. And we're going to be a part of that. We all can play our own part. It's so important that we stand up in this time 
Because what's happening is the armies of God, the cause of God, is being defied and defiled. Right? And just lots of areas, but one of my favorite areas to talk about is abortion. Because this is so incredibly clear. I hope it's clear for you. And sometimes it's not so clear. And uh, it's important they kind of come to some clarity on this issue of murdering children, right? And, uh, oh, I know it can't be that bad. Well, it is. Uh, but the thing is, it's not because it's my opinion. It's just God's standard. It's His opinion, right? And so that makes the whole thing even more unique. And that's what David was under here. It's God's cause, right? God's cause defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Phil this Philistine. Could I just say something to you about your troubles? Don't waste your sorrows. Because some of your sorrows have been put in place like the lions and the bears to prepare you for bigger battles later. Bigger things that need to be fought. Bigger places you need to go and the body of Christ needs to go. Some of our deepest problems were meant for us to be able to help others in the same situation. Matter of fact, I've seen that over and over again in church life. Don't let your situation shame you. Let it prepare you. <laughs> because if you got through the other side of it, you were just that much more prepared to help anybody else that gets in the same problem, right? Wow. Matter of fact, even David, as you look at his life, you see the way God redefined him you know, in his life. Yes, he makes this horrible mistake, which we're going to see later, but it redefined him. It made him even more zealous. It made him even more sensitive. Even a better king, right? We look at verse uh, 45 to 51. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, which actually, uh, for us, would be, yeah, big deal, you know. But in that day and time, a giant, you know, over nine feet tall coming against you with a sword and a spear and a javelin is a pretty big deal, Right? Like a bazooka, maybe. <laughs> but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Wow. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And that is the point. That's the whole deal. We want you to know that there's a God in Israel, you have defied the armies of the living God. You have defied God's cause in the earth. You are messing with God's people. And you can't defile them any longer because the apple of his eye, and I'm here to prove it, right? All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear. Now, this is a critical thing that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord, and he will give all of you into our hands. That's something we're going to have to cope with these days. Not always by the methods we think. Not only by the world's methods. One of the deepest ones is simply what David did all the time with prayer and worship. Because what's behind all this are demonic powers and entities. And that's something we need to always be in touch with. Because David was launching a two-pronged attack. He was out there with his body, literally. <laughs> but also, David had this amazing habit spending most of his time worshiping and praising God. <laughs> he loved it. Because as David faced the Lord, God faced his enemies. That's where he got his strength. And he knew it. And you know where he learned it? 
He learned it shepherding sheep. You know where you learn to face God? You learn it in the average part of your life, the ordinary parts of your life. You learn to face those places. When you bring God into the marketplace, when you give God into your life. And that's where David was. He let God come into his life. All that danger, all those things that were, those lions and animals that, right in the midst of his profession, right? And he had to protect, and guard. And he found out what, what God was like and he could hear God's voice helping him, leading him, guiding him. That's the thing I like the most about what's been happening with us with regard to our school. We can feel God leading us. Creative new ideas, things that we can do with it that we hadn't considered before. Possibilities, creativeness. Uh, the creativeness not only to walk with God, but creativeness uh, to solve actual problems in our culture, to start businesses, to know how to navigate, to make money, to prosper with our kids, to help them find out who they are and what, they, what they're made of and what God wants them to do. Not just spiritually, but technically. You know, whether it's to be a doctor, whether it's to be a carpenter, wh whatever area, but to do well in it, whatever they do. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. <laughs> just, I just think of us. Sometimes that's all I feel like God is, a sling and a stone. It's enough, turns out. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and they ran. <laughs> Even our enemies in the culture, our enemies in our life, they're a little more brittle than they seem. By brittle, I mean they seem like they're so powerful. Whatever problem's facing you, and you've got octopus with so many tentacles. But actually, the truth of the matter is, especially problems that have a spiritual origin that are attacking us, they're actually brittle. They're actually far weaker than you imagine. You hit them at that tender spot in the Lord, and they run. That's amazing, because they always puff themselves up. Isn't that the way problems are? They always puff them up to see themselves up to be bigger than they are. And then the world around us and our relatives sometimes and friends, they, they help, you know, make the thing even worse, right? But we have to get God's perspective. Okay, now listen. I'll read this again. For the eyes of the Lord, that's God looking across the earth, across every tribe, tongue, and nation. He can do that. Range throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him, to give them victory. He's looking for someone to give victory to. He's looking for someone to get behind, right? The only thing is, he wants your heart fully committed to him. What a great trade. It's actually a better deal than it seems sometimes. Sometimes there's limitations, things that we need to stop doing, things that we need to start doing. But here's an interesting thing. God's looking to strengthen you. He's looking to bless you. I came that they might have life and what? Abundantly. Not just spiritual life, not just religious life, but the whole thing, the whole package, everything. That's why I love what we do around here. We have so many things that we do that aren't, quotes, you know, technically spiritual, <laughs> involved with businesses and all kinds of things and the warehouse and our prayer meetings and all of them are tied into everyday life. I just love our prayer meetings so much in the business realm because we're just praying about these very specific things, you know, employees and 
bottom lines and or do you open a business in Atlanta or not or all of these things and just integrating life and our education and everything. It's just so amazing. And the way we feed the week, the week and help the, the homeless is we just have this business set up over there in the warehouse and people volunteer and help and then we make the money and then we put them in hotels and we're learning how to put them in other programs. We're learning how to hire them. We're learning how to make them work in life. It's all integrated. I, I just love this whole thing. So when I think of strengthening my heart, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about He's strengthening those that are fully committed. He's strengthening you in every area. He's, he's for you, not against you. He's willing to help you. In super spiritual areas and maybe not so areas that don't seem so super spiritual, right? With places to stay, work that needs to be done, success that needs to be had, all of it. So what is God's cause today? Well, anything that concerns you, concerns Him. So I can just start that way. But there are some favorites that God seems to have. I like to hang out where God's favorite stuff is. The favorite stuff He long, likes to do. That's where I like to hang out. Because it's right on that edge, man, right there that you see Him move and work so powerfully. And I just love to be near the things He loves to be near, uh, you know. And so I just want to read a couple of passages, things that God's interested in. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen only a day for people to humble themselves? Isaiah 58. Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? He's talking about this religious stuff where they're praying and fasting, which God loves, by the way, and Dave did a lot of. But is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? He says, I want you to say it beyond what you're doing here. To loose the chains of injustice. We just saw lots of injustice this last year. Lots of people calling things justice that aren't justice at all. Right? It's a big time we're living in right now. In the name of justice, we just had Joe here, the policeman. He works on the L.A. police force. Just helped us understand what our policemen who are trying to keep us safe are going through right now. It's a horrible thing. It's the worst thing that's been in 40 years, 50 years. Just trying to keep law and order on the streets and not get fired for doing your job. He's in the perfect place. He's where he belongs. I can't think of many more important places to be right now than a Christian policeman. Some of your friends, your brothers, sisters, maybe our policemen. This is not the kind of fast I've chosen to loosen the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke, as it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you'll call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and He'll say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will what? Guide you always. Who would like some guidance here today? <laughs> Anybody have some tough decisions? They how many times will, will the Lord guide you? And, and just in super spiritual areas? No. And decisions you have to make tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Do I move here? Do I move there? Do I try to buy that house? Do I not? Do I take that job or do I not? What do I do? The Lord will guide you how many times? 
always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, even in the worst circumstances, the worst COVID-19 virus, whatever. That's what we've been experiencing a lot of. Man, I tell you, miracle after miracle. We've done well. And some of us are about to do well. Maybe you haven't got caught up yet. But God will help you in this sun-scorched land. And will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You'll be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> Is there a housing crisis going on around here? <laughs> restorer of streets with dwellings. Man, oh, man. When I read that, it just was like as lightning it jumped, jumped off the page because that's exactly where we're at right now. Many of you can't even afford a house or a place to go, a place to stay, not to mention the homeless and the broken. Wow. But God promises to be repair of broken walls. He'll use us to restore of streets with dwellings. By the way, this homeless thing is on us. We shouldn't be wringing our hands, worried and frightened like the whole world. We should actually be helping other people find homes in addition to our own thing. This is within us. We can do this. This is part of our heritage. We can break these, restore these broken walls. We can restore streets with dwellings. We can do it. We can be the head and not the tail. We can be the owners that lease out to someone else. This is where God takes people like us. You just got to understand when your heart's fully committed to him, you do these sort of things. This is what David did. He fought for justice. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. Very similar. Jesus told it. He says, here's the business of you guys. Here's ordinary uh, citizen in the kingdom. This is your business. This is what I, I like. This is what uh, I like when you're called after my heart. These are the kind of things that you do. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 to 36. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered around before Him and He will separate the people one from another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. And the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave Me something to eat. You know, our country is getting better at this. The whole culture. So we should applaud our culture for that. We're getting better. So yesterday I was at McDonald's and I was driving around the corner and this veteran was out there limping, sweating. I could see even from a distance he had had surgery on his head. And it's so sad. So I, I stopped and uh, helped him. But then after I left, I noticed that other people stopped and helped him. And I thought... Wow, that's amazing. And I just hung around a little bit, and I saw within a few minutes other people were helping him. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. Something's changing in our culture. People stopped and helped him, and, uh, and I offered you know, to help him in various ways and stuff. And uh, he didn't take me up on that, at least right now he hasn't. But nevertheless, what I saw was other people immediately helping him. I thought, good job. United States, good job. Orange County, that was amazing. This is God's stuff. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. And I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? 
When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Wow. And then he says the opposite to those that didn't do that. You didn't give me anything to eat. You didn't, see, you didn't bring me in, you know. Depart from me. You are accursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. The Lord, we didn't see you, they said, but truly whatever you did not do for the one of the least of these, you did not do for me. So that's God's heart. That's God's cause. That's the injustice that he wants us to loosen in the New Testament sense. And then there's this other side to this justice, which is also on God's radar in such a big way. And um, I probably need to emphasize this a little bit more. It's just that in the United States, we have a little bit of uh, myopia. We can't see very well far away. So we have just a distant impression of nations, but we don't understand God's full counsel in this arena and area. But I want to say, if you want to understand what God's doing in the end time, this time that we're in right now, his, he's harvesting the nations, every tribe, tongue, and nation. And so for us, there's a calendar that exists, and that calendar is when that happens, when every tribe, tongue, and nation is exposed fully to the gospel, as that happens across the earth, the king comes back. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And by the way, those nations are the word ethnos. It has to do with deeper than just a political nation like we know. Within India, for example, there are thousands of biblical nations. They are cultural groups with a specific language. And we don't have this as much in our culture, but in the specific culture and language, that you cannot reach with the gospel until you penetrate that culture. So he says, make disciples of all the nations. He's trying to go make disciples of the ethnos, baptizing the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. India, there are 200 million people that don't even know who Jesus has never heard his name once. So we have a ways to go. But how far we've come in the last 20 years is so remarkable, it should scare every one of you. It should literally frighten you. <laughs> or make you aware, because this gospel of the kingdom is marching so far and so fast in so many different distant areas and places. One of our own, right now, your brother, and your brother-in-law, and your sister, where are they? South Sudan somewhere? I mean, even the possibility we can go to South Sudan and feed hungry people is just an incredible thing, right? That you can even get to that place. But now is the season of unparalleled movement in the nations never before seen. In the last 20 years, our church has been intimately involved with a movement that sprung up from zero to 20,000 churches. 20,000 churches and over a million people, more than a million people saved and in church. Actually, the number's 24,000, like 900 now or something like that. Unbelievable. Why is that so unbelievable? Well, it's great that all these people come to the Lord, but it's a sign. These are Hindu, Muslims. These are people that have never heard the name of Jesus. These are not people that are even acquainted with God. Somebody comes in, prays for someone that's sick, they get well, or raises the dead. They go, okay, I want in. <laughs> By the way, this old life I've been living hadn't been so great. But this is the great thing. So this is why, and the Bible says this, in Matthew 24, 14, and it's a time of where we're in. And this gospel of the kingdom will preach to the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, all the ethnos, and then what happens? The end will come. 
the end will come. So when you see this happening, these crazy things happening that are actually happening at a pace that nobody's ever seen in all of history in the last 10 years. Nobody has seen anything like this. Just take Iran right now. There's a full-on, I mean, of all the troubles and trials we have with the government, on the inside of it, the government has a bigger problem than the United States or any outside source. The, the big problem for the Iranian government, everybody knows it, is there's this swell of Christianity, of young people coming to Jesus Christ that never has been seen before. This, is, this started about five years ago. It's dramatic. It's like they've got an internal revolution going on that they cannot put out. Nobody will talk about that on the news, but that is actually what's happening. So if you want to be a person after God's own heart, consider the rest of the world because it's the great adventure of what's going on right now. Consider the weak and loosening the chains of injustice because all these areas are all related. The gospel heals. The gospel delivers. The gospel brings truth. The gospel brings food. The gospel brings provision. We are more than we can imagine. We are the Davids after God's own heart, and we concern ourselves about these things. Guess what? God strengthens those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So here's a second way, and David was a man after God's heart. He cherished God's presence especially as he worshiped and prayed. He just loved this whole thing. Psalm 27 is one of my favorite passages. It reveals the heart that God wants to put in the church and that God had in David. This is why he wanted to strengthen this guy. Look, at the Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I, who shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, if my, as my foes and my, and my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall, Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. And literally, armies did besiege him. <laughs> literally. I mean, this is literal. They literally besieged him. <clears throat> the war break out against me. Even then, I will be confident. How come this guy be so confident? Because of the size of his military, the size of the budget, the defense budget, <clears throat> you know, more atomic weapons, what, more airplanes, more whatever. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I mean, he turns from this thing right here about war, and he moves like this. Well, this is, this, this is why. See, this is the thing I'm asking. I want to dwell in the house, Lord, all the days of my life. I want to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. I want to seek him in his temple. That's all I care about. For in the day of trouble, oh, it's connected to the day of trouble, is it? Yes. He will keep me safe in his dwelling. He'll hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At the sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. You see, this music making, this worship, this presence, this prayer is part of the defense mechanism. It's God fighting for you. He's saying, you know, I put a flag up and I put it in the prayer room. And this flag protects my nation and if my enemies surround me, I'm not going to be afraid at all because the God of all nations, the God of all power and authority is on my side. So I'm going to sacrifice in his sacred tent. By the way, this is the sacred tent. Modern times. And by God's grace, there will be a day when we'll have 24 hours of worship and prayer going up here. And uh, I've actually been thinking all through this whole thing, this whole COVID thing. Oh, man, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. We're going to do it. <clears throat> you could do it in a religious way, too, but no. 
I want to do it from my heart. I want to sing and make music to the Lord. I want to sacrifice with shouts of joy. I want to feel the presence of God. And I want Him to fight for us. Hear my voice when I call. Be merciful to me and I answer me. See that place you can say anything. My heart says if you seek His face, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not hide. Turn your servant away in anger. You've been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Evidently, things weren't going real well in the family either. <laughs> Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. I declare that over this whole assembly today. I'm confident of this. You will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I don't care what plagues come near you. I don't care what job situation has presented itself. I don't care what sickness. All the saints of God will see the goodness of the Lord and are already seeing the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living in a way we can't imagine. In the land of the living. We will not die. We will succeed. We will have grace on us in every area. God's restoring, repairing, renewing, making us better than ever right now in this season. So when we worship and pray together, we receive God's Spirit. And that was David's greatest prayer privilege. And that's our greatest privilege. So that's why I want to do it all the time. <laughs> There's nothing like the presence of God. Everything else is boring. Today we are a part of a prayer and worship movement sweeping over the earth. That's another thing that's happening. Worship. Prayer is sweeping over the earth. As we said, my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me because at a sacred tent I'll sacrifice with shouts of joy. The Lord is literally filling the earth the airways with worship and music, special music. <laughs> I was telling somebody the other day, I couldn't believe they'd never heard this song. What's that one? Stomping Snakes? What's it called? Crushing Snakes. Have you not heard that song yet? Who's heard Crushing Snakes? David Crowder. Oh my gosh, are you guys, you haven't heard that song? Man, I want to put it on the thing right now and play it. It's unbelievable. But when I saw him, he, he was, who's seen that? Crushing Snakes. Okay, by David Crowder. Who's seen the video? Anybody seen the video? Oh, my gosh, you guys, what's the matter with you? Oh, man, you got to see this. So I'm watching this. It's the first time I'd heard this song. And I'm watching this, and it's done in this huge stadium. And, uh, and thousands, uh, who knows, look like 20,000 kids in there, youth mainly, in there. <laughs> And they're singing this song about crushing snakes. Oh, my gosh. And you're looking at that and you're thinking, oh, my goodness. Can you imagine what must be going on in the pit of hell about all of this? Because you could feel the presence. It put goosebumps in your back. You, I just kept playing it over and over and over again. And it, it just uh, it's part of this worship and prayer thing that's going on that's shaking the earth right now. And... Uh, I guarantee you it's shaking the, the, the hell right now. And you, you get the feeling of it uh, uh, with all those people and as they're singing this song over and over again. It's free, it encapsulates. I probably should have put this up on the video here and uh, just let you see it. But uh, anyway, I'll keep moving. I'll let you, you can find it. It's very easy. David Crowder. Just look up David Crowder and then go to the snake thing. And you're, uh, you're there. Right? Look at Matthew 21. 12 to 16. And of course, the snake thing symbolic of Satan, right? 
Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It's written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. But you're making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts. Did you get that? Children shouting in the temple courts. I want the children to shout in the temple courts. Shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. I'm, I want the children to shout. When we get to the place where the children start singing and worshiping, we got somewhere. That's what's going to happen here. And we got a really good chance at it right now, man, because I can't wait for the children to start singing. And so you'll see them on stage. You'll see them some. You'll see them taking part in our worship because this is where God gets thick, right? Or his presence comes. And there's a house of prayer. And then the kids, they're there. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yeah, I, I really like it. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. Lord, call forth your praise. Call forth your praise in our children. Literally, I pray we'd hear it in this auditorium. We'd hear it, Lord, in the school. Call forth your praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Wow. My house, they call it a house of prayer. See, he cherished God's presence. This is why he was the man after God's own heart. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. This, these are some of the ways we commit our heart fully to him. And we commit fully to him. He's looking. He's supporting. He's helping us in spiritual ways, in natural ways, in every way. We just got to tend his house, and then he'll tend our house. Right? We see Jesus in the midst of this amazing, massive ministry. People crowding around him, pushing around him all the time, often withdrawing to pray and spend time with God, Luke 5, 15 to 16. He lived from the inside out. He was the man after God's own heart, just like David did. The binding and loosing ability of people who agree in prayer and gather in Jesus' name is phenomenal. And I just love seeing it in very practical ways throughout our whole church. Practical ways of healing physically, practical ways of business, practical ways of agreeing on families and family relationships. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Wow. And that's what David did. This agreeing prayer, this binding prayer. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Psalm 133. I love these verses. I'm going to read through these just a little bit. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like the precious oil poured down on the head, running down the, on the beard, down Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows His blessing even life forevermore. When we live in unity, practically and spiritually, and we worship together, all of this, agree together, pray for one another, it's like heaven comes to earth. It's Psalm 27. When we live in this place, the precious oil, that's what our inheritance is, the oil being poured down, the sustenance of God in every area. Not in super spiritual areas only, but right where you live, right where you work, in your family, in your house, in your business, everywhere. If it doesn't stretch that far, then something's gone wrong. Because God's interested in every area of your life, every part of your life, your marriage, your family, your husbands, your wives, kids, every area, right? And this prayer thing and worship just touches it. 
here and there and everywhere. It wasn't meant to be sort of in a specialized place where the people who like to pray, pray, and all the rest of us just kind of look at them and think, wow, I wish I could do that sometimes. I just don't have the time. i got to go. Oh, if you make time for God, you'll be surprised what happens in your business, in your everyday life. It's just, we forget sometimes. We get crazy. We, we, we're not like David. I mean, David had a few things to do, didn't he? There was one or two things he had to do as the king and people trying to attack him with armies in the earth. There's a few things that were kind of necessary, right? But where did he spend most of his time? Well, evidently in the, t in the church, in the tent, inventing instruments and worshiping God. And then God would give him wisdom and say, hey, okay, or equip him or whatever, but whatever he needed. And there's story after story in the Bible, some of my favorites in the Bible, where they didn't even have to do anything. Jericho, they just started worshiping all the walls fell. That was a political problem. Saul, boom, there you go, walls down. Okay, go get them, guys. <laughs> I could have spent a long time taking down that wall. Could I say to you there are walls over your businesses, over your lives? You know what? You're going to need supernatural help to take them down. But they'll come down. They will come down. It seems like a waste of time to be praying and a worshiping person, but the, God, the man for God's own heart understood it all. He understood all of it. He was a king, a ruler, a politician. He understood it all. But he also understood something else. He was a man after God's heart because he was honest and repented when he sinned. Foreshadowing our ability as Christians to confess our sins and be forgiven in Jesus' name. So we'll finish on this because these three things, these three aspects that we're talking about here. You know, God loved God's cause, his reputation. He, he, he fought for God's cause. He, he was concerned about injustice. David was a man for God's heart because he loved the presence. He loved to worship and pray. But he was also a man for God's own heart because when he failed, when he made a horrible mistake, when he blew it, he owned it. And when he owned it, God forgave him and God restored him. And he, he's just the poster child for that. I mean, not every day that you have someone that recovers from having a man killed so you could marry his wife and be found out about it. The courts of the natural would be one thing. But the courts of the heaven are the one that nailed David. <laughs> He'd have a prophet to come and tell him, and David shook in his shoes because he knew that the God of all the earth, from which his power and his source was, he understood that <clears throat> he could definitely be changed and things could be rearranged in his life, right? He'd be found out. So when he was found out, we see Psalm 51's the story of how he reacted. <laughs> Here's the first point. Have mercy. <laughs> On me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Now, that's interesting. Have mercy. Okay. A lot of us do that. But, Lord, according to your amazing patience, your concern for me, according to your fairness, according to your righteousness, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. So he's appealing. He knows God so well. The man after God's heart knows God so well. He knows how compassionate he is. So he appeals to the compassion, right? In the midst of his worst failure. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So he obviously murdered a guy. He also took his wife, all that. But he realized the real sin was against the king of the universe and he needed to make up. He needed to make sure that he was clear. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Whatever you judge, or you're justified. But surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. 
Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, because something went desperately wrong with my heart. And it's not clean. Please help me with this. I feel so guilty and I need a pure heart again, but I'm so guilty, guilty and broken. I don't know how to get there. Please, Lord, have mercy. Create in me a pure heart again and renew a steadfast spirit within me so I can begin to walk again. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressions your way so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God my Savior and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. That's how bad it was. He was so sorry and so broken. He just literally, God, just open my mouth. <laughs> I don't even have the energy to praise you. You do not delight in sacrifice, so I bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. I could do that, and I know it would technically solve the problem, but I know it's a heart problem, and I don't know how my heart got there, but just create me a new one, Lord, because I am desperate. I don't know how I let my heart get to that place. I'll take the animal sacrifices and the law and everything, but even then, you've got to create them. You've got to do something else, Lord. My sacrifice, oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, God, and I know you won't despise me. Well, that's good news, huh? May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous and burn offerings and offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. What a prayer. So 1 John 1, 9 says it simply like this. And that's a good definition of uh, <laughs> confession that we see. I, I think he covered all the bases, didn't he? <laughs> he covered the relational brokenness, the way he disappointed God, the way he disappointed others. He covered the part of being feeling totally alienated and apart from God. He covered it all. He just said, there it is, God. Here. <laughs> but here's what God says. If we confess our sins with that kind of repentance, that kind of turning, that kind of honesty, absolute honesty, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What does purify us from all unrighteousness mean? You're forgiven, stamped, clean, clear, ready for business ready for inherit my blessings again. You're in the good place now. How can that be? David had the blood of animals. We have the blood of Jesus Christ. He knew that was coming somehow for the future. He prophesied it even in his writings. There was something about him knowing there was this greater king, Messiah, coming, but he hadn't come yet. Who would have known that great coming king would also be a suffering servant? And when he shed blood on that cross, it covered your sins, your weakness, your brokenness, and brought you back. And all you have to do is confess your sins and acknowledge and say, I did it. Lord, I did it. Help me. Have mercy on me. Just something very, very powerful. And in the body of Christ, there's something really real about this, especially as it relates to other people, right? You see a lot of this confession going on with David alone. <laughs> Not a whole lot of spiritual people around there wanting to you know, help him back. But God knew about it. But in the body of Christ, it's just a little bit different. There's more. And actually, it's much more functional, I think. We read in James chapter 5, therefore confess your sins to each other. So not only to God, but to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. Evidently, that actually, you may not have feel a lot of faith for healing, but if another person prays for you in the midst of your 
problem in the midst of your weakness, there's supernatural help because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That one that's praying to, when you're weak and when you confess so that you may be healed. Wow, that's a very powerful thing on the New Testament side of things. It goes beyond anything the Old Testament had. This is sacrifice has already been done. Now, how do I deal with the emotions and the brokenness and the disappointment? How do I deal with my life? How do I make sense of it? Well, just another person in your life, other people in your life, praying for you, encouraging you, being vulnerable with them. It's amazing what happens. That's what he's saying here. This is part of being a person after God's own heart is the body of Christ. It's ability to help you through these rough spots, these difficult places. This horrible guilt. There's the worst thing that anybody ever had to deal with, this guilt. We spend years, have incredible dysfunction and even physical anomalies. And it's nothing more than, un oh, we just understood that we could come to God and be forgiven and then have other brothers and sisters help us when we've got so to a place where we just need some help getting through, even believing that we're forgiven and restored again. Oh, how important the body of Christ is in. That's why I like all of our Thrive Ministries and the things that we do. And we have a whole system here. I say system, a godly system here to help people that are just like you uh, being restored and coming back and getting healed and getting well. It's interesting to me that in this side of things, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other, so that we heal. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayers of other people over you are powerful and effective. You don't have to be by yourself alone. David fought it out on his own, the man after God's own heart. But part of now is we got all kinds of Davids around here to stand by you and pray for you and help you. And the blood of Jesus, more powerful and effective than anything, to cover you and to heal you and get you back and to restore you. And even when we do make a mistake, even in the body of Christ, and everybody knows, and even it's a sin against one of us or against our wife or our husband or our family, look what Galatians says, which is so magnificent. Brothers and sisters, if someone is taught, caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may, you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. What a great scripture. I'll say it again. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So, Lord, we just thank you that we can be like David. I declare today that the eyes of the Lord are ranging throughout this earth and this sanctuary to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Why don't we stand for a minute? I want to just pause for a moment here. I hadn't intended to do this, but I think it might be helpful for some people. And you, and you can just do this uh, from your seat. But I just think it might be good if we just take a moment. We'll do some worship here. And uh, worship's so helpful in finding this place with the Lord. I just could see as I'm speaking that maybe some of us would just like in response to this message, a little bit of time with the Lord. Nothing else is to receive his presence and to thank him for his forgiveness and determine that you're going to be a man after God's heart, a woman after God's heart. And a, a 
person fully committed to the Lord so the Lord can find you and strongly support you. So I think this is a nice time just to fully commit. You don't have to jump over tall mountains in a single bound. <laughs> Quite the opposite. You just need to humble yourself and say, God, have mercy on me. Oh, how God longs those words, longs for those words. <laughs> David knew full well how to say that. That's why he was the man for God's own heart. Not only was he successful, but he knew what to do when he was wrong or when he was weak. Not just wrong, but weak. I think maybe even in this time, it's been a little difficult, I think, sometimes trusting the Lord. So much pain, so many problems, so many attitudes, so many opinions. I just think God wants to give you rest from all that. And I can assure you that you'll be one of those that the Lord is looking to strengthen. We just need to fully commit our heart to Him. That honest place, that, that vulnerable place, the place where we've been wounded, the place where we're not sure. Oh, you can make it strong and sure in just a second. The law made you do all these things to get back, but in the era of Jesus Christ, you just turn and you say, have mercy on me. And the inside's done, and then God rebuilds you on the outside. All right, so I'd like to give an opportunity for anyone who would like to do some of this business, and maybe I think it might help you if you could move a little bit. So if you'd like to come to the front, why don't you come? You don't have to do that. You could do it right from your seat because I'm just going to pray over you. You might want to take a little extra moment, either up here or in your seat, just to pray about whatever area you're troubled about or whatever area you want to do business. Maybe you need to intercede over someone else. Maybe there's a situation that's off. Maybe you need to talk to God about your own life. You come up front here to do that or you do it from your seat. I think we'll spend a little time together doing this. Whatever way is important to you. The front is advantageous because it makes you sort of do something in response. You can do the same at your seat. Because I think there's going to be some wonderful business done. I just really like the eyes of the Lord. Can I assure you that right now the eyes of the Lord are on this place? looking to strengthen hearts that say, I'm committed to him. Oh, listen. You say, well, I don't know if I'm committed. Start now. Start now. Could God be that good that he could take me? I haven't been committed. I've been messed up. And Yes, start now. All the rest goes away. A new time. Not just for sinners, for anyone. I think there's a new season God wants for the whole group of us. It's been a rough season. Lord, support us. Strengthen us that are fully committed to you. All the weak spots, we confess. And we say, God, have mercy 
all the problems we haven't been able to solve in our own strength. We turn to you with all our heart, like David. Deal with our enemies. As we face you, would you face our enemies? The demonic ones, the human ones, the situations that we just don't seem to get answers over. Oh, God, we commit ourselves to you and we stand in this place with you. The next five minutes or ten minutes or however long we're here, we do business with you. If you need to go, feel free. But if you want to do some business with God, however long it takes, just do business. Because I just think there's some crossroads here and there's some people that are trans moving into some new directions in their heart. And it's just so sacred and so powerful. You watch and see what happens. God, make the wind behind us blowing us along instead of in our face. Strengthen us as we commit our heart fully to you. Heal our bodies. Heal our businesses. Heal our relationships. Heal our self-worth, our sense of peace, and bring hope and love to full bloom and a fiery passion for the Son of God.